to the UTRGV School of Medicine, Careers in Medicine, Coffee to Go podcast. In this episode, we get to catch up with Dr. Rachel Gelman. Dr. Gelman, a Valley native, selected the field of ophthalmology. She discusses with our students what a typical day for her looks like and why she selected this particular subspecialty. And with that, I give you Dr. Gelman. Enjoy. I'm actually from the Valley, born and raised in McAllen. I went to UT RGV back when it was UT Pan American. Um, And then I went to medical school at Baylor College of Medicine. I did an intern year followed by my residency at the University of Arizona. And then I did a fellowship um, in cornea, anterior segment and refractive surgery at the University of California in Irvine. Um, So basically, when you do ophthalmology, you can decide to be a comprehensive ophthalmologist or you can subspecialize and there's at least six different subspecialties you can do. Um, I'm cornea and the rest of the title, like the refractive surgery and interior segment basically refers to the front part of the eye. So the cornea is the outermost part of the eye. That's primarily what I deal with, such as like corneal transplants, which is the most common surgery I do. And um, other diseases of the surface of the eye, like tumors or cancers or, um, you know, as advanced as those, but also more simple or medically managed things like dry eye and allergies and things like that. Um, So I guess I'll start by explaining why I decided to go into ophthalmology. I always knew that I wanted to do something surgical. I have always liked working with my hands. I, you know, I was a piano since a pianist since I was a little girl. And so I liked using my hands to create something beautiful. And surgery to me was exactly that. Um, I like the idea of putting things back together or fixing a problem using my hands. Um, so I always knew surgery was going to be. Um, something I wanted to do. The question was what, what type of surgery? So in medical school, I rotated through the different, you know, rotations and I um, did an elective in ophthalmology and I did an elective in other surgical subspecialties like ENT as well, but did ophthalmology just stood out to me and it, and I think it had a lot to do with just that I was fascinated by the eye. I was fascinated by just the way it worked, the physiology, the pathology, just, I just thought it was an amazing organ. So then that's kind of what started me on my elective for ophthalmology, like to, to sign up for more electives where I learned more and more about it and um, progressively became more interested. But I think one of the big reasons also I decided, finally decided to do it was because I had a really good mentor. And this particular mentor was an ophthalmologist, but he was actually a neuro-ophthalmologist, which is a totally different subspecialty. But he was the one that really showed me and taught me how the eye is, as cliche as it sounds, a window to the the body. 
You can save lives by finding things in people's eyes. You can determine the status of their diabetes. You can see the status of their high blood pressure. You can see rheumatologic diseases. I mean, you can really get an idea of systemic underlying problems manifesting by the way it presents in the eye. So I found that really just cool. The idea that you could, you know, the eye obviously is an extension of the body and you could um, see so much in such a small organ. Um, So once I decided to do ophthalmology, I did my residency and that was followed by um, my fellowship. And I, I always, um, I liked the idea and if you, it's hard to, um, it's interesting that the eye being such a small organ can be divided up into so many different parts, but it can. So as I said, I decided I was really fascinated by the cornea. And there's a few reasons for that. The cornea, again, is the outermost clear dome of the eye. And um, I just, um, well, cornea, the field of cornea also involves, um, and the uh, fellowship I did also involved surgeries on the front part of the eye, like cataract, but also more complicated cataracts and other issues with your, with the intraocular lens. Um, And I just found that the, you know, the quick turnaround in people's vision was, was very appealing to me. In general ophthalmology, that's another reason I forgot to mention, um, you have this quick recovery of, um, of vision. So you have people who are blind one day and then seeing the next day. And that's just an amazing thing to be able to do. So that's a very big reason for why I decided to do ophthalmology. And in cornea, I see that you see that as well. It may not be day to day, but usually within a week or two or a month, you'll see dramatic changes in people's vision, which totally changes the course of their life. It totally changes their quality of life too. People who were dependent on others can finally fend for themselves. People who couldn't drive can drive. And that kind of impact just was, you know, spoke volumes to me. Um, So I loved the field of cornea. I like the way the cornea works. It's also, I liked the idea of doing LASIK. And so I wanted to make sure I did a fellowship that involved refractive surgery. So that's why I ended up at UC, uh, UC Irvine. Um, as soon as I was done, I'm headed straight back here. I am, as I said, from here. My parents live here. It's hard to get used to the valley if you're not from here, but I actually think it's a wonderful place to live. I think it's, an, um, you know, I think that the opportunities are great and I think that it's a safe area. And I, you know, I just, uh, as I said, it's home for me. Um and I didn't know this at the time, but when I came back here, there was actually nobody doing cornea transplants in the valley. So as of right now, I'm the only cornea transplant surgeon in the entire RGV, which is over a million people. So it keeps me busy. Um, and I, in another way, that was something that was something um, after the fact, I realized I was happy I did cornea because I was able to give back to the valley after everything I felt like the valley had given me. Uh, growing up here. So um, it meant something to me to be able to provide that kind of service to my home and my community. So um, that's about it. I mean, I could talk forever about cornea and ophthalmology in general. I think it's a wonderful field, obviously. I love it. 
I like the idea of having, of being able to be, I mean, I'm not, um, I'm in my own practice right now. So I'm by myself. Um, so I have clinic and then I have surgeries two days, two half days a week. But like today, sometimes something comes up and we don't have space on my surgery day. So we have to schedule it on a lunch hour, um, which is totally fine with me. Um, so, you know, with this, with ophthalmology, you can build your own practice. You could join another practice. You could, um, you know, it's a, but again, it's not hospital based, but you have the opportunity to work in a hospital as far as call. You're in the ER sometimes for call. You do surgery at an outpatient surgery center or an inpatient surgery center if it's an, an emergency, like overnight or something. Um, but I feel like I get a good balance of it all. And um, I also liked the idea that it gives me, there's a lot of flexibility in your hours, in what you, how you want to work. Um, so I, that was important to me because I want to, you know, want a family and children and to be able to balance my personal and professional life is really important. So um, I don't want to take up too much time talking. If you have questions, I'm happy to take any questions. And as I said, if we don't get to all your questions, I'm more than happy to give my email address and y'all can just email me. Any questions? <laughs> can I just jump in? I think that's okay. Hi, Dr. Yeah. Yaman. My name is Felipe. I used to work in ophthalmology as a tech. So now I'm going to school to try and become an ophthalmologist. Oh, cool. I didn't really know too much about corneal corneal specialties I mean mostly I'd only experience like a patient who had pubes dystrophy and then we just you know referred because we're general ophthalmology yeah so I was just wondering like what is your daily clinic life like do you spend time with like systemic diseases like glaucoma diabetes and mm -hmm. whatever else <clears throat> it's a good question initially when I first started I was kind of seeing the gamut I was doing a little bit of glaucoma a little bit of diabetes um, just a little bit of everything, but as soon as but I'm at the point now, and it, it happened very quickly, as I said, as soon as people found out that I do cornea transplants, I was getting, cause normally these people were getting referred out to Houston or San Antonio. So it quickly built up my clinic. So at this stage, I'm about 90% or maybe more cornea. And I, if I see anybody and I don't, I, um, no longer treat glaucoma, I no longer treat diabetes. I no longer treat even, or I mean, I just don't have that kind of space in my clinic because we're just so overwhelmed with corneas. And even right now, we're at the point where I'm having to book people out for cornea transplants in October. And I don't like that. You know, I'm so um, I have to prioritize my cornea patients because no one else in the valley is dealing with it. So I have to do that. And so if, um, the way I run my clinic um, which is maybe different to um, other cornea clinics is it's really just primarily cornea. I just don't have the the uh, time to focus on these other things. Plus, there's so many good ophthalmologists in the Valley that uh, deal with glaucoma and floaters and diabetes and retinal issues that I don't, you know, I'm not worried about it. So they're in good hands with those doctors. And I try to focus on just the cornea stuff. Yeah. So do you do, I know you said you did a fellowship in LASIK. Do you still do any LASIK at all or? Yeah, I do LASIK. I do, um, it's not as, I don't do as much LASIK as cornea transplants. <laughs> I do 
a lot of cornea transplants, but I just started my practice a few months ago. So we're still building the LASIK part, but yeah, I still do LASIK. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I was also going to ask from a more personal perspective, like how difficult is it to start your own clinic? Because I mean, thinking just to start off, you have to buy your LASIK machine, you have to buy your EMR, you have to buy, you know, yeah. Papers. So the, yeah. So um, it's very difficult. Um, it took me about three years or maybe longer, maybe five years to do the whole thing. I started before I finished my um, training. Uh, by starting, I mean like, Choosing the location, uh, uh, starting to purchase equipment, uh, finance. And that, of course, I needed a loan. I needed multiple loans. I needed um, to get everything I needed for this, obviously, like as far as diagnostic equipment, all that kind of, but obviously, so I didn't have, you know, when I finished um, my training, you know, I didn't really have a good salary at that point. But then when I started working at an, I started working at another office and I purposefully did that so I could earn money so I could save. And I was able to save a lot. And that was so helpful to put that into my, into my, um, my new practice. Um, so, and then it just took time and I hired an, a, a manager. That was one of the first things I did. And it, she helped me kind of get everything organized, get me credentialed, get me um, approved with all the in network with all the insurances, um, help me with the bank stuff. She does, you know, so she and she still works for me. So she was very important because you need that kind of help. It's really hard to do it when you have another job. So um, also, I had a lot of support from my family. My family, everybody pitched in, everybody helped. So it, there's a lot of things that um, helped me. It wasn't just one thing. Um, so I was, I was unfortunate to have, a, you know, that kind of supportive environment. So um, that was tremendously helpful to me, but it's hard. It's hard, but I would, I always knew that about me too. I mean, academics is one route you could do. You could go, you could also do private practice with a group or private practice by yourself um, I think there's advantages and disadvantages to all of them, but I always knew I needed to work just by myself. And I always knew that I wanted to be in private practice and it's hard, but it's doable, especially down here. I mean, if you try somewhere else where the competition is much more cutthroat and property is much more expensive and, you know, I think it could be much harder so I like I don't think I would be able to do it if I lived like in California. I don't think there's any way I could do it. But you know, I mean, obviously, if you try hard enough, you <laughs> you probably could. Other questions? Yes, I think Ed. Did you have a question? Yes. Oh, sorry. Hi, Dr. Gilman. I, I was in clinic. Um, I just have a quick question. Um, so, actually, let me take off my mask. Um, so I was, so I, I, I recall having, we had a speaker that, I think his name was like Dr. Wilson. He was the director of ophthalmology at UCLA. Um, and I had never heard this before, but he said that it was impossible to get into the ophthalmology residency at UCLA. So, I mean, do you think that that is a correct term or is it really that challenging to, to be, get into an ophthalmology residency or what makes a good applicant stand out for ophthalmology? 
So he told, he told every, he, like, it was, I'm a little confused. He said that for everybody, it's impossible to get into residency at UCLA and he worked at UCLA. Is that what you said? Yeah. So, so he was, he was the commencement speaker for, um, for the graduating class that just graduated, um, okay. this class of 2021. And he had a, a bit of an informal like meeting with a lot of the med students and I was there. And he said he was the head of the ophthalmology department at UCLA at a point, at a point of his life before becoming president. And he used that word, said that it was impossible yeah. to get into ophthalmology at UCLA. So, it's, I mean. Yeah, it's okay. Well, I, I disagree. It's not impossible. It is, I'm not going to mince words. It's really hard. It is really, really hard. Every step of it is hard. I mean, getting into med school is hard. Taking your steps are hard. I mean, every part of it is hard. Or I mean, but that that you do it anyway, right? Um, so ophthalmology is one of those fields where they say it's a little, you know, it's hard to get into, and it's true. But I was determined, and I wasn't at the top of my class. I wasn't necessarily getting the highest scores. I mean, intelligence, everybody, you know, is um, obviously important. Um, but I think maybe and and studying hard and working hard, but there's something to be said about perseverance. So I have a lot of friends who didn't match the first time or the second time. And that, I mean, if it were me, fortunately I was able to match, but it, if I didn't, it's not like I would stop there. I would try again. Now, as far as specific programs, yeah, that's even harder. It's harder to match into a specific program you want to get into. I mean, there's so many bright minds around the country all competing for the same spot. It's tough. So, um, but I don't really think that's a big deal. You know, once you do your residency, wherever it is you go, you're in ophthalmology residency. And you know what? Everybody takes the same standardized tests. So, you know, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. All off, there's, I mean, I interviewed at a lot of ophthalmology programs and yeah, there's some that are more, to me, were more appealing than the other. But if, you know, um, just because you don't get your number one program doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't mean actually anything. <laughs> it just, you know, you get on with it, you complete your residency, you, you work hard, you study hard. And again, we all, you may not be at the program you want or wanted initially, but you'll learn that you're every person in ophthalmology residency is in the same boat. Everybody gets the same books. Everybody takes the same tests. Um, everybody goes to the same conferences and everybody actually applies for the same programs when it comes to fellowship, if you decide to do that. Um, so it's hard to get into top tier ophthalmology residency programs, but it's not impossible. And Honestly, at the time I had, when I was in medical school, there were seven other people applying to ophthalmology residency. So it was, it was very difficult and I was very nervous. Um, and I was just happy to match at all, honestly, because I was really worried about that. Um, so that's another thing I'll point out. I know that it costs money to go to these programs and interview, but this is my life. This is my career, my future. So. I applied to every single program, every single program that exists in the country, I applied. 
So I made sure that I maximized my possible, my potential, my possibilities. Um, and so I know that some, maybe a lot of people don't do that, or they just go where they would consider going. And on the trail, there was of all the programs that I um, interviewed, there was one that I thought, you know what, I think I don't like that program enough that I would actually rather not match. So I didn't rank them. You really don't want to rank a program that you know you wouldn't be happy in. But that was only one. So, and I've actually seen this happen where people will be in a program that they realize they just shouldn't have, they just assumed, oh, I won't get my last one. Well, it happens. So my, I guess my, I'm kind of rambling, but my point is there's no, yeah, there's some programs that rank better than others. I understand that. And I understand the desire to go to a top tier program. We all do. But to not go to a top tier program or the, your top one or two or three is not the um, end of the world. You still have your foot in the door to do eye surgery. Now, every program, as I said, is different. And some are better in some regards and some are better in different regards. But you're still going to wind up in the exact same place as everyone else. And again, it's what you put into it. You're only going to learn as much as you're willing to. And that's anywhere. All these programs are accredited. All these programs are certified. So if it's a program that shouldn't, that is not meeting the there's standards they have to meet. There's specific things that they have to make sure um, they they provide to their residents. So if they didn't, then they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to um, meet the criteria, and they wouldn't be programmed. So in my opinion unless there's something really obviously wrong, like I told you there was one program that was a little iffy to me, all programs are basically going to get you to doing eye surgery. So I actually think that I would, I considered myself very fortunate when I matched. And again, because it was a really rough, uh, I was in competition with a lot of people from my own class. Um, and so I was just very happy about that. And um, it's what you make of it. So I disagree that it's impossible, but it is very tough. And as I said, you may not, even if you, I met the brightest people who didn't match. As in fact, in fact, one of my mentors from my fellowship, who's one of the current gods of cornea, didn't match the first time. It doesn't mean anything. It just, it just happened. You know, it's a blip of bad luck and you just try again. And you'll see that for the rest of your life. In every, I mean, it's part of the game. You, it is a constant learning process, and you're going to win some, and you're going to lose some, and you can't let that get you down. You just have to. I know it's very cliche to say, and it's very hard, especially with how long the road is. But surround yourself with good people, supportive environment, you know, supportive people, and. Um, there's no reason why you can't do everything you want to do, even if it's not at the program you initially wanted to go to. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, I think you also went down the road because of the, so many changes that are going on, like with step one being, being pass fail. So that, that's not really a, a factor anymore yeah. and how inter yeah. interviews, inter interviews are going to be virtual. So you won't have to spend as much money. So people are applying to every program because now it's very cost effective so that makes the competition even higher so i guess that's where he was going at but but you're right uh, it shouldn't discourage us yeah it shouldn't discourage you and yeah so uh, 
And I agree that the past, I don't know how that's going to affect things in general, like the past fail step. I just don't, I don't get it. Honestly, that's kind of weird to me, but everyone's going through it. So you're all in the same boat, which is the good thing. Um, And I'll just say this last part, which is I mentioned I wasn't at the top of my class and my step one was not even, it wasn't also like as high as some, I bet you I didn't have. I, you know, I don't know what everybody else got, but I don't think it was like as good as I would have wanted, but um, for ophthalmology and for these top tier programs, but um, that's what made me work much harder on other aspects of my resume. I made sure, so I, I love, I love working out. I love running. So I made sure to enter in every 5k competition in Houston every Saturday for the next like six months and make sure I placed, like I was training to show that I am a committed person and I compete in other things and I'm well-rounded. So I competed in races and I showed that I was first place, second place in all those races. Um, I play the piano. So I talked about my experience playing the piano, um, where I performed and all the, and the people who I was, um, who mentored me and taught me and that I got a, I performed in front of a jury, blah, blah, blah. Um, then I also published, I published like crazy. I connected with an ophthalmologist. I said, I need to get into ophthalmology. So give me everything you've got. And we wrote up paper after paper, after paper, after paper. I just kept, I was publishing as much as possible because that's showing that I am interested in research and interested in the literature and education. Right. Um, I, you know, my point is that if, if you feel like you're not as competitive in one part of your resume, whether it be, you know, your score or your, your grades, I don't know work on other parts. There's more to a person than, than, than their grades. You're, oh, and as a matter of fact, they look, these people who are, who are interviewing you, they don't want robot machine, like smarties. They want people because you know what, you're going to be their literal team. When you get there, they want people who are interesting. They want people who can communicate. They want people who have personality, people who have some character, people who have something different about them. So, you know, don't get so hung up on, oh my gosh, I'm not perfect in my grades or I'm not perfect. Oh, I'm at, or whatever, whatever it is. There's so much more to you than that. And that's going to show in your personal statement, which you cannot write off. That is extremely important. You have to write a personal statement that makes you shine. And it's got to be in that first sentence. You've got to get their attention. So don't, t- I, I would advise, and maybe you hear something different, but if you're going into ophthalmology, don't, you don't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to talk all about how ophthalmology is amazing. They know that. We, that's why you're applying. Everyone knows that. But talk about something else. Talk about maybe what it is that inspired you to do it and, and focus on that or maybe some, whatever it is that makes you, you, whatever your passion is, even if it's weird or eccentric or whatever, the point is to make an impression because they're going to want to work with people who are interesting, not necessarily because, yeah, because, um, you know, you, I'm sure I, that's my opinion. So maybe you hear differently, but, and 
after it's and since they're making it so that's pass fail and you know you can't change you can't change that there's some things you can't change but you can change other parts of your resume you can make your personal statement shine do not write that off that's ex- i know i know that sometimes people are like ah it's like it's just like kind of kind of a requirement no they do read it and make sure the spell note i mean if even me if i saw a grammatical error on a personal statement this person clearly doesn't care enough to even spell check or get someone else to edit it so you should all be editing each other's personal statements sending it to your parents your friends you've got to make sure it is pristine and then once you get that interview that's where you show who you are you you know you just got to you got to shine you got to show that you're someone who is people want to hang out with you're someone who people want to who want to team up with that you're a team player so um really important to to have some answers prepared okay if they ask me what do i like to do on my free time don't say oh i love to study ophthalmology they know that's not true and even if it is true that's probably a very mundane answer they hear a lot <laughs> or oh i love to watch videos on eyes okay i mean my point is talk about who you are and how that stands out from everyone else. And as a matter of fact, as I mentioned, the piano helped me in my career. What is it about your past and your history or your hobbies or your life or your people at home that is going to make you a better doctor? Maybe it was a family member who had an eye problem. Maybe it was a mentor. Maybe it was an accident where you realized the importance of sight, whatever it is, you know, you, you, you really want to appeal to the humanity of it, not just the technical, you know, side of it. If they ask you, what was your favorite subject in medical school? They're probably expecting you to say ophthalmology or the elective or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be, you can say, actually, I really liked physiology. I really liked pathology. I really liked anatomy, you know, and explain why. Why was that your favorite? Oh, it's because, you know, and whatever it is. My only point is don't try to be like everyone else. That's a really big point. You are a unique person and you need to show them that person. I think people have heard before the quote, be yourself. Everybody else is already taking. So thank you, Dr. Gelman, for taking the time to chat with our students about ophthalmology. And if you guys are interested in any further mentorship or you have questions about the field in general, please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is cim at utrgb.edu. And thanks again for joining us in this week's coffee session. Catch you next episode.